Hi, this is Gary Meese back again with the case against. This will be episode 41. We're going to continue to look at the so-called phone call girls, which are the girls that supposedly were talking to Damian Eccles and, in some accounts, Jason Baldwin on May 5th, 1993. Uh, we are. Our last episode, we looked at Heather Clyde, who was Jason Baldwin's girlfriend, uh, according to her statements, which varied somewhat over the years, and varied a great deal, actually, in some over the years. Uh, her early statements, her statements from 1993, taken very shortly after the arrest, had her not talking to Baldwin at all that day, and not talking to Damien Eccles until 10 or 10.30 that night. And she originally said she was on the phone with at 10 or 10.30 with Holly George, which is a little girl that was living in uh, Bartlett, Tennessee, who was friends with Jennifer Bearden, who was a 12-year-old that the 18-year-old Eccles uh, fancied and was sort of his other girlfriend, other than his 16-year-old pregnant girlfriend, uh, Dominique Tear. Uh, but Heather, many years later, clarified that she was actually talking about Jennifer Bearden rather than Holly George in terms of those conversations. Heather Clyde's not really high on the credibility list, but honestly, not many other people in this case are either except police officers uh, a few a few others who seem to at least give consistent stories uh, she doesn't give a consistent story she says she changed her story as a matter of fact and then she did, and then without acknowledging it she changes one story greatly about a late night phone call that she'd never mentioned before however if we look at what Heather I mean uh, Heather Client actually said in 1993, very early after, very soon after the arrest, uh, indicates that Damien may well not have gotten home until he certainly didn't. I mean, they were trying to call him earlier, according to her, with she didn't get into deta in details on times, but they didn't get in touch with him until 10 or 10:30 that night, which leaves plenty of time for him to do the cleanup of the scene and be seen by the side of the road by the Hollingsworth family. Now, I'm not going to be able to get into all the details and the uh, phone calls that supposedly were made that day because it's just there's just too much material. But I'm going to press on and we'll first see what Holly George has to say and then we'll get into Jennifer Bearded. And Holly George is going to be saying less than Jennifer Bearden, so we'll get through Holly George fairly quickly. And but first off, let's be clear that she, Holly George was adamant that she had not talked to Heather 
quiet at all that evening and had never been on a three-way call with Heather Clyatt, as Heather had alleged. Which this actually agrees with Heather just in a... Uh, what Heather said later rather than what Heather said at the time. Um, the West Memphis Police talked to 13-year-old. I guess she'd had a birthday. Uh, Holly Edna George on September 10th, 1993. She said she had known Eccles and Baldwin for about a week before the murders after meeting them at the skating rink. She said she talked with Eccles on the telephone just one time, May 5th, on May 5th at about 3 p.m. in a three-way call with Jennifer Bearden. Her conversation with Eccles lasted about five minutes. Asked when Jennifer talked to Eccles, Holly said, like right after I got off the phone with her and they talked for a while, and then they hang up. Jennifer had to get off the phone and then she called back like at nine o'clock or so. So Detective Brian Ridge asked, did she say that she had tried to call him that evening and couldn't get him? Or it's a little bit leading by the way. Holly said, uh, she said she tried once, couldn't get in hold of him because nobody answered. But she wasn't sure of the time of that call. Ridge asked, okay, so you tried to call Jason that day and you couldn't answer and that was shortly after you had talked to Damien about 3.30 and you were only on the phone with Damien about five minutes that, that day. Is that right? Holly's response is, um, um, which is interpreted as yes. So Holly George in her statement to police is saying she talked to Damien one time at about 3.30 for about five minutes that day. And she says she didn't, and she, uh, she couldn't get Jason on the line. So that doesn't bolster his alibi claims that he was talking to her that evening. In fact, it doesn't bolster it at all. It directly contradicts what he has to say. Uh, she said she saw Eccles late that Friday night at the Skate World skating rink in West Memphis. Holly said, Holly described Eccles and Jennifer as just friends. Asked if Eccles had any girlfriend, she said, other than Domini, no. I didn't know about her until like everybody said she was pregnant with this child and stuff. There's a lot of humor in those statements there, but I'm not going to dwell on it. It's pretty self-evident. Uh, she had seen Domini when Jennifer's mother made a delivery in Lakeshore. Jennifer and I went walking, and so Damien and them were there, so we started hanging out with them. Uh, Jennifer's mother had some ties with some people in West Memphis, which is one reason they were going over there from Bartlett, which is on the other side of Memphis. It's not close to it's not close to West Memphis. It's not that far, you know. It's you know half an hour's drive or so, maybe longer depending on the traffic which exits you take, etc. Um, she also knew Miss Skelly, but, quote, he was never really one of my friends. 
concerning Baldwin, Eccles, and Miskelly, they hung out with the same people, but they just never really liked Jesse. And this backs up the idea that, I mean, the fact that she knew Miskelly says something about the fact that he was around. He was known to this small social circle that hadn't been around that long. They were just meeting at a skating rink on a Friday night. That's all the association Jennifer and uh, Holly had with, with Eccles and Baldwin except for phone calls. But, and, but despite this limited amount of time together, they knew Jesse Miskelly. Uh, and, uh, you know, they saying that Baldwin and uh, Eccles hung, hung, around, uh, hung out with the same people as Miskelly seems to be true based on numerous accounts in the records and you know maybe they really didn't like Jesse that much that's that's quite a possibility but they did hang out with him in a follow-up interview on September 22nd 1993 Ridge asked how many times did you talk to Damien on the 5th of May Holly says about once Ridge, one time, and what time was that phone conversation? Holly says, about three or four. Uh, Ridge, about what time would that be? Holly, about 3.30 or four, something like that. Ridge, okay, and was that a three-way conversation? Holly, uh-huh. And who was on the phone? Jennifer, Damien, and me. Uh, okay, did you call Damien or did he call you? Holly says, I called Damien. Ridge, okay, during the rest of the day, did you talk to Damien again on the telephone? Holly says, uh-uh. Ridge, okay, do you know if Jennifer talked to him again, again on the telephone? Holly, she said she, she said she talked to him at like nine that night. Now, and on April 18, 2008, Holly George, since become Holly George Thorpe, gave an affidavit and she stated that she met Eccles and Baldwin at Skate World through Jennifer, her friend Jennifer Bearden. At that time, and quote, at that time Jennifer was my best friend. After we met Damien and Jason, I became aware that Jennifer liked Damien. While I socialized with both Damien and Jason, unlike Jennifer, I had no interest in either of them. Jason may have been interested in me, but nothing came of it. I was around them mainly because of Jennifer. And that sounds about right on the basis of everything that's said. She recalled socializing with him at three locations, at Skate World, at the uh, Marion Carnival, which was a kind of a barbecue uh, thing they have in May and at video games inside the small store at Lakeshore Estates. In 2008 she declared, I recall being on the phone with Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin on the night that the murders of the three boys in West Memphis occurred in 1993. I also have a memory of talking on the phone with Damien and Jason in May of 1993 and during the days surrounding the discovery of the boys, uh, the bodies of the three young boys who were killed in West Memphis in May of 1993. 
I have no independent recollection of the exact time of specific phone calls or who may have initiated them. So, she said, what, she says she recalls talking to them. She didn't say anything about talking to them at night back in 1993. 2008, she recalls talking to them at night. But when it comes to exact times of specific phone calls, she doesn't, she doesn't have a clue. So, so, you know, in 1993, she talked to Eccles briefly at 3.30. In 2008, she swore that she talked to Baldwin and Eccles that night, but could not provide times or details. Uh, neither of these versions of her story, and it's understand her memory, could, and she was a, a young, a, a child really at the time. She was 13, and I think a young 13 at that. Uh, you know, many years later, you know, her memory was kind of vague about the whole thing, under, about some phone calls. It's pretty understandable, even if this was a fairly imp important event in her life, particularly if she didn't go back and visit the record and see what she had actually said. And even if she did, what else is she going to say? She probably doesn't want to make them look... At this point, she probably, 2008, she probably doesn't want to make them look guilty or say anything that's even incriminating. Because, you know, there's a lot of social stigma involved with actually saying, hey, these guys are guilty or uh, I, I didn't provide an alibi to them. Now people are coming after me, but it's, it's a lot easier to say, well, you know, I, I did talk to them, but I can't really give you any details about that. So essentially, Holly George is not any help to uh, Damien Eccles' story, particularly in 1993. In 2008, she's still no help with the idea that he has some sort of alibi for talking to girls on the phone that evening. Now, what had happened on May 10th, 1993, in uh, Damien Eccles' police interview, he told Brian Ridge that after going over to the home of family friends, which would be the Sanders family, at about 3 to 5 that on that day, he went home where he, and this is Ridge's notes, he went home where he stated he got on the phone with a Holly George who he states lives in Bartlett, Tennessee. He stated that he got off of the telephone with Holly after talking for a long time at about 11.30 p.m. that night. So, he's describing a six-and-a-half-hour phone, phone conversation, and she's describing a five-minute phone conversation. Do you think she would not remember talking to Damien Eccles for six and a half hours on a particular evening? Eh, not unless she was doing that every night, and you don't get the impression that she was. This statement contradicted not only Holly, but family members who remembered Damien's argument on the phone with Domini after 10 p.m. So that we're going to get into yet another phone call girl is Domini Tear herself. Uh which creates another set of problems for... Actually, it doesn't really create any problems for Eccles, not really. But it's worth noting. Except for the fact that he's saying he, he doesn't mention 
on May 10th, he doesn't mention talking to his pregnant girlfriend on the phone. But he does mention talking to this 13, 12, 13-year-old girl in Bartlett, Tennessee that he knew from the skating rink. He says he was talking to her on the phone for six and a half hours. So that he's contradicting his own stories here. Uh, and of course he's saying he got home at five o'clock in the afternoon from the Sanders family, which is not what the, the story that they were trying to tell, you know, at trial was you had a different time frame that he was over there around seven o'clock that evening, which is not five, five PM is not 7 PM. Uh, now rather than Holly, 18 year old icky and he that is the nickname that's listed on his police reports his arresting reports uh that's a nickname icky had designs on a 12 year old child named jennifer bearden according to uh eckles 2012 memoir life after death by may Domini and i had been arguing a little though nothing serious it was mostly in the vein of people who have spent too much time together and just need a break. Now, Eccles and Dominie were arguing about Eccles talking to other girls on the phone, though he, he lied about them being interested in Jason and not himself. In his, book, in his book, he said at that time, I was now legally an adult, an expectant father, and in a relationship I was certain would end in marriage. I would never would have abandoned Dominie, but I was not in love. Okay. In the West of Memphis documentary, Jennifer Bearden read an egregiously misleading excerpt from a police report that, quote, she had been on the phone with Damien and Jason during the afternoon after school and, and until about 9.30 p.m. Now, the actual report by Brian Ridge state that's taken out of context the actual full report by our full statement from brian Ridge, brian ridge in this uh police report said she informed me of several times when she had been on the phone with damien and jason during the afternoon after school and until about 9 30 p.m on the evening of 050593 she gave a taped statement of the events that occurred on that evening. So she, she's talking of several times that she had been on the phone with Damien and Jason during the afternoon and until, and it says, and until about 9.30 p.m. on the evening of 05.05.93. If you, when you, if you actually look at what she's, Telling Ridge, according to his notes, he's she's not he's not she's not saying he was that Damian Eccles was talking to her virtually continuously from, uh, you know, after school and and just continuously more or less up until nine thirty p.m. Is, that's not the that's not what was stated. Ridge is stating of several times, including after school and including around nine thirty p.m. Not well worded, but. What's happened there is Amy Berg and West of Memphis, 
with the cooperation of Jennifer Bearden, who is an attorney and really should do better than present misleading evidence in a documentary, but she didn't do it, she, or she did do it. Um, West Memphis, the West of Memphis documentary, which Eccles was a co-producer or an executive producer, gave a deliberately misleading presentation of the facts by taking the quote out of context. In fact, several times were involved. In 1993, Jennifer said she talked with Eccles briefly around 3.30 or 4 p.m. and that she talked to him again at Baldwin's home around 4.30. And then again, after calling and being told he wasn't home earlier in the evening, finally getting in touch with him again around 9.20 p.m. The only time she talked to Baldwin was when he answered the phone at his home, which was around 4.30. In a 2004 statement, Jennifer said she talked with Eccles three times. After 3 p.m., later that afternoon at Baldwin's house, and then again around 9.30 p.m., after first calling around 9 and getting a busy signal, and then on the next call, being told by Eccles' grandmother that he wasn't home yet. So, she says she, in this 2004, she says Eccles, she called at 9. She couldn't get him on the phone. She tr tried to call again. She doesn't give a time on that. But says she, uh, Eccles' grandmother says Eccles wasn't home again. This is after 9 p.m which doesn't indicate he's at home talking on the phone with girls, and though there's another story involved in this. And then, uh, and then she finally gets him on the phone around 9.30, which means he, that, according to this, he got home sometime between 9 and 9.30. Uh, she gave a similar account with similar details in the same times, other than clarifying in 2009, she gave a similar account with similar details in sim same times, other than clarifying that she talked to Eccles at Baldwin's house at around 4.30 or 5 p.m. In her interview with Brian Ridge and Burl Durham on September 10, 1993, Jennifer said she first talked with Holly after school. We were just talking, quote, we were just talking about school, and then I think Davian called on the other line, and she said, and then she said, I will call you right back. I'm going to call you on three-way. So we all got on three-way and talked for about five minutes, and Holly's mom had to use the phone. She said, that was a quote from her. She said Eccles was calling her from his home, quote, like around 3.30 or 4. And then she clarified that she had to call him because he did not have her number. He goes, can I call you back? I'm going to Jason's. He said, call me in about 30 minutes. And I said, okay. I called him back in about 30 minutes at Jason's. Okay, she called Baldwin's home, quote, somewhere in between 4.15, something like that, 5, 5.30. That's an hour and 15 minutes uh, time spread there. So... She says, if she says 4.30, she says 5, she says 5, 5.30, 5.15, whatever she says, she's not being very exact with it. Uh, she said she talked to Baldwin about five minutes. 
and then she talked to Eccles. Quote, he wasn't really talking because they were playing video games. We talked about 20 minutes. Uh, you know, this does raise a question of Domini was a, supposedly around during this time. So he's talking to Jennifer Bearden, taking phone calls and calling and talking to Jennifer Bearden with Domini in the same room. Obviously not. Um, I think it's going to be clear as we go through this that Damien went to the trouble of engineering uh, Dominique's departure for a bit so he could talk to Jennifer and keep the, keep the game going. Uh, Eccles told Jennifer in, during this 4.35, 5.15, whatever conversation, that he was going somewhere with Jason but didn't say where they were going. Now, according to Jennifer, when she called back about 8, she was calling over to the uh, Damien's trailer in West Memphis to the Hutchison family. Uh, his, quote, his grandmother said he wasn't there and I was supposed to call back around 9. And I called back around 9.20, 9.30 and I talked to him for a little bit, but then I had to get off the phone because I wasn't supposed to be on the phone after 9.30. There'll be more about these times later, but that's what she said initially. Concerning her contacts that evening, quote, I really don't remember. I think I talked to Holly a little bit. I don't remember who else I may have talked to. I think mostly I talked to Holly, Damien, Jason. Now, she says here she talks to Jason, but she doesn't say when. That would have been some, I guess, she never described talking to Jason at any other time rather than the 4.30 conversation. And Jennifer said she did not remember talking to Heather Clyatt that day. Now, in this interview, uh, Brian Ridge went back over the times. At about 3.30, you called with Holly. You're talking with Holly, and she gets another phone call, and it's Damien. She calls you back, and you talk three-way with Damien for a few minutes. Jennifer says, yeah. Holly hangs up and you talk longer with Damien. Jennifer says, I call him because he don't have the phone number. Bridge. So then he tells you to call him later at Jason's. Jennifer, about 30 minutes and I called him. Bridge says, so sometime between 3.45 and 4, you get off the phone with Damien. Uh-huh. Yes. Ridge, and then about 4.30, you call him at Jason's. Right. Ridge, okay, and you talk with Damien and Jason on the phone at that time. Jennifer says, yes, we talked about 20 minutes. Ridge says, and then later they tell you that they're going somewhere and for you to call back later. And Jennifer agrees, um, 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 yes, at Damien's. Ridge, at Damien's house, you called Damien's house at about 8.30 or 9. Is that what you said? Jennifer, it was about, I called him first at 8. Ridge, at 8. It about is between 7.30 and 8. Ridge, okay, and, every, and obviously he wasn't home. She didn't say she talked to him. Uh, okay, and every time you called Damien's, did somebody answer the phone? Jennifer, 
um, um, yes, um, which contradicts the, the, the earlier statements that the, there was a call made and the phone was busy. second uh ridge okay grandmother answers the phone at about eight jennifer uh mom yes ridge she told you to call back at about nine jennifer um um yes i called back around 9 20. ridge at 9 20 you get damien on the telephone and he tells you that he and jason had been somewhere jennifer um um yes ridge Okay, you didn't know where. Did you ask him where he had been that night? Jennifer, I said something about it, but, you know, I really didn't, didn't really care because they go places together all the time, you know. And I suppose the point there would be they went somewhere together. This isn't Jason spending, I mean, uh, Jason cutting the grass and going, going to came going to Walmart and going home by himself. And it isn't Damien going over to the Sanders family with his fam, Sanders family home with his family and then spending all evening on the phone. He and Jason are going somewhere according to what he told Jennifer. Ridge, okay, but I mean, did he ever tell you about where he'd been? Jennifer, no. Ridge, did you ask him any more about where you've been that night? Jennifer, no, not really. Ridge, okay, and that's the extent of the phone calls for that particular time? Uh, Jennifer gave some sort of inaudible answer. Ridge, okay, that's what I needed to know. Is there anything further that maybe we need to know about? Any conversations you had with Damien or Jason or anybody else? And Jennifer says no. And she says she next saw Damien and Jason at the skating rink. Uh, Miss Kelly was also there. I don't, she says about Miss Kelly, I don't like him though, but the thing is everybody says they were friends, but they were not friends. She explained, I let Jason have one of my necklaces and Jesse stole it from them and, uh, and Damien and Jesse, Damien and Jason did not like him for that reason. Jesse really had a bad attitude. He was like, he thought he could beat up everybody. He had stole the eight ball from the skate world. He was walking around with it. They had thought Damien had stolen it, but it was really Jesse because Jesse walked to me and he had it. But they thought it was Damien, and so they didn't like him because of that and because he just had a bad attitude and a bad mouth. Honestly, it doesn't sound like either Damien or Jesse were exactly prizes at the time, and they're not prizes now. Uh, Jesse's a bully, and he steals a necklace. He steals an eight ball. He likes to beat up people. And uh, Damien, Damien uh, pretty typically had a bad attitude and a bad mouth. Eh, which is arguably not that much different than a lot of teenagers, except Damien was different than almost any other teenager. She had seen uh, Miss Skelly at the skating rink two or three times. Yeah, he wasn't nice. I mean, I was friends with his girlfriend, kinda, Susie. But uh, Jesse, I just, I didn't like him. She also knew 
another figure in the case, L.G. Hollingsworth Jr. I don't like him. He likes Holly too, and he's a pest. Jennifer later asked Eccles where he and Baldwin went Wednesday on that Wednesday, May 5th. He told her that Baldwin's mother took them someplace but gave no specifics. Uh, now, Baldwin's mother was at work on that Wednesday, so she didn't take them any place. He didn't say anything about going home with his parents. He didn't say anything about Baldwin cutting the grass, hanging out at Walmart and going home uh, to the family. He didn't say anything about that. He said that uh, he and Baldwin are out somewhere together, and he claims that Jason's mother's driving him around. Uh, Jennifer also saw Eccles at Marion's Esperanza Bonanza Fair in May, which is the carnival she was speaking of, and perhaps one other time at the skating rink. Ridge asked if she knew Eccles was involved in witchcraft. She said no. I knew he was dressed all in black, but I mean, and she was not aware of his tattoos. She had, had, she had heard rumors about witchcraft. There was a guy named Murray I had heard some people talk about. He was supposed to be the high priest of the covenant. And she's referring to Murray J. Ferris, who was one of the organizers of the local Wicca coven called the Covenant of the Divine Light. She added, well, I did hear something, but I think it was one night Damien and them were not at the skate world. Somebody was talking something about Murray that they had thought he had done it. Now, Murray J. Ferris and, and uh, his friend and fellow Wicca practitioner, Chris Luttrell, were documented to, strangely enough, have been at the local Baptist church on youth night the evening of May 5th, 1993. And there's no reason to doubt their word. On that, uh, the pastor vouched for them and they were consistent in their stories. Uh, Ridge asked, did you ever meet Dominique? Uh, Jennifer had met her once. I just didn't really like her. I mean, she was really cold. At the time of the 1993 interview, she denied any romantic interest in Eccles, though she later admitted they had a boy-girl relationship. Ridge asked, was there any kind of resentment between, between uh, Dominie and your being friends with Damien? Jennifer said, I don't know. We were with Ken, Jamie, me, Holly, and Damien, and Murray, and Dominie drove up. I've only seen Murray and Dominique once each. Dominique got out of the car, walked over there, and we were all standing there laughing cause, because Damien and them had walked into the lake. And Dominique was just standing there glaring at me because I was standing beside Damien and I was standing beside Holly, you know. Um, she was just standing there glaring at me. She told Damien, she said, Damien, and they walked over and started talking, and he said, I'm going to have to leave you all, and he left, and left Jason there. He uh, and Dominique get him back, and he got in front, and they left. And they left with Ferris driving, and you get some idea of the tensions that might have been involved in these uh, little teenage romance things going on, which I would say little teenage romance, except there was a pregnant there was a pregnancy involved in this, which makes it not little. It makes it big. 
um, asked if she had heard that somebody in particular was involved in the murder, Jennifer said, I have heard a lot about Dominie and Murray because I heard that Dominie was a witch and that Murray was a high priest. Ken was the one that told me that he was a high priest. Now, that probably would be Ken Watkins, who's another figure in this case. Ken t was the one who told me that he was a high priest. And right after he left, I said, who was that Murray guy? Dom Damien had told me he would tell me later, but Ken told me he was a high priest of the convent. They call this <laughs> covenant, coven, uh, there's some other terms they use for this. Anyway, uh, Ridge, okay, but who told you that they're the ones that did something? Jennifer, just some people around the skating rink, some people that don't think Damien and them. They don't think Damien and Jason did it. They think Jesse and Domini and Murray had something to do with it. She said, only his girlfriend, unquote, quote, only his girlfriend, unquote, didn't think Miss Kelly was involved. Then she's referring to Susie Brewer. Now this is well after the arrest, so Miss Kelly suddenly pops up on the radar here, but she wasn't on the radar at the, at the time of the initial investigations, not until June 3rd, really June 2nd, June 3rd, 1993, when they decided they would talk to Jesse Miss Kelly just because he was a acquaintance of Damien might know something that they needed to know concerning the murder investigation. They, they were very typical. They talked to lots of other kids from the trailer parks and in West Memphis that he knew and Jesse was looks like up to that point he was just giving one other kid from the trailer park they talked to. He wasn't picked out of the crowd to be the patsy. In um, an affidavit on June 6, 2004 a 23-year-old Jennifer Bearden, as opposed to the 12-year-old from 1993, said, In 1993, I attended Ellendale Elementary School in Bartlett. Holly George was a friend of mine at the time. In February or March of 1993, Holly and I went to a skating rink in West Memphis, Arkansas, where we met Jason Bowen and Damian Eccles. The name of the rink was Skate World. A number of young persons used to go to Skate World. We started to socialize with Jason and Damien and saw them at Skate World on more than one occasion. We also saw them in two other places. At one point, my mother drove Holly and I to Lakeshore and we went to the trailer park where we met Jason, Damien, and two other guys. One was Buddy Lucas and the other was named Ken. And Buddy Lucas is the friend that Jesse Miskelly um, confessed to the day after the killings. Ken Watkins is, is Jason Baldwin's favorite witness that he didn't call that would have been absolutely devastating to his own defense and on top of that uh, described a confession that Damien Eccles had given to him. And then when he was given the polygraph, he denied the story, but guess what? It showed that he was lying, which indicated he was telling the truth. He was telling the truth about the confession. And then he lied when he was actually being polygraphed. Anyway, uh, back to Jennifer's statement from 2004. 
Holly and I also went with Jason and Damien to the Esperanza Bonanza Carnival, which I believe was in May of 1993. The carnival was in Marion. My mother also took us to the carnival. The last contact I had with either Jason or Damien was the day prior to their arrest. From the time that I met them to the last day that I had any contact with him, I talked to Damien almost every day on the phone. I recall talking to Jason on the phone, but only when Damien was with Jason. I believe I also spoke with Jason when Holly George phoned him and I was on the phone call with Holly. I also saw Jason and Damien at Skate World almost every weekend after we first met them. Our contacts lasted roughly three months. I knew who Jesse Miskelly was. Whenever Holly and I socialized with Jason and Damien, I noticed that they would not have anything to do with Jesse, who was always in trouble. But he was around enough so that she knew who he was, and she knew he was in trouble. <laughs> Based on my contacts with Damien and Jason, it was my opinion that they did not like Jesse, and I did not like him either. But he was around. I became aware that Jesse stole the eight ball from the pool table at Skate World. He showed all four of us, Holly, Jason, Damien, and myself, the eight ball. The owner of the Skate World, Kenny, found out about it. Jesse blamed Damien and Jason for having stolen the eight ball, and Kenny told both Damien and Jason to leave Skate World. They were excluded for that night. Jason and Damien told Kenny, the owner, that Jesse had stolen the eight ball. On the one occasion that Holly and I visited Lakeshore Trail Park, Damien left the park with a guy named Murray and a girl named Dominie Tear. At the time, I did not know who Dominie was. I was unaware of her having a relationship with Damien and thought that she might have been with Murray for all I knew. So this poor little 12-year-old girl had no idea that this 18-year-old that she was talking to on the phone every day and was expressing this great... Uh, inappropriate interest in her had a 16 year old pregnant girlfriend. I do not believe that my mother was ever aware of my knowledge or of or socializing with Damien and Jason until sometime in 1993 when a private investigator contacted Holly's mother. That led to Holly and I being interviewed and my mother finding out about my contacts with Damien and Jason. Um, a private investigator was probably Ron Lax looking up for some, trying to find a dig around an alibi for uh, Damien. And Damien, you know, is claiming he's talking to these girls on the phone. So I guess Ron Lax is going to check that out. Uh, Jennifer says, my mother was angry at me for concealing my relationship with them. I recall that the contact with the private investigator happened at Holly's house either at the end of July or in August of 1993. It was just after my 13th birthday. Holly and I sat at the kitchen table in Holly's house. Our mothers were there. We were all interviewed together by an investigator named Ron Lax and a woman who was present with him. I had previously been interviewed by police officers in around September of 1993, so the police were ahead of Ron Lax. Uh, and, you know, Lax indeed was working to verify the alibis. In her 2004 statement, Jennifer said, my routine when I was at school at Ellendale in May of 1993 is that Holly and I would be picked up from school 
at about 3 p.m. by Holly's mother, she would drop me at home during the time period that Damien, Jason, and I were socializing, and all through May of 1993, after I got to my house, Holly would telephone either Damien or me first, and then the other would get on the line, and the three of us, Holly, Damien, and I, would wind up, wind up together on a three-way call. Often my experience was that Damien and Jason would be together, but Damien would talk more than Jason. I remember talking with Damien on the phone just about every day. If Holly did not initiate the call, I would phone to find Damien either at his place or at Jason's. Damien was usually at one of the two places. I do recall that on May 5, 1993, which is the day before the children's bodies were discovered and the news about the discovery was on te the television, I was talking to Damien by phone. I remember the f that we first talked that day after I got home which means it would have been a conversation that had taken place after 3 p.m. I recall that we had to get off the phone because Holly's mother had to use the phone. It was a three-way call. I told Damien that I would call him back, either during that call or when I called Damien back myself after Holly had hung up. I spoke with Damien, who told me to call him at Jason's trailer. I am not exactly sure of the time of the next call, but I remember that I became irritated because the two were playing video games and not really talking to me. Damien was there, and I believe it was Jason who answered and then gave the phone to Damien. When I called Jason's house, I could only talk to one of them at the time. During that call, Damien told me he and Jason were going to Jason's uncle's house. Now here, she suddenly being much more specific about where he, Damien and Jason were going. Uh, 2004. I believe he told me he thought he would be home at around 9 p.m. So Damien's not talking about making any plans about being home that evening. He's talking about being home at 9 o'clock that night. I recall making a call to Damien's house that night, May 5th, 1993. I believe the call was made around 9 p.m. That was the night before the announcement of the killings of the three young boys. The first time I called, I got a busy signal, which contradicts something else you'd said, but no big deal. The phone at Damon's house did not have call waiting. I called again, and Damien's grandmother answered. She told me that Damien was not home yet. Okay, she called around 9, got a busy signal, and then called back at some unspecified time, got the grandmother, and the grandmother says, Damien is not home yet. Now, if Damien's not home yet at nine, according to Jennifer Bearden, there's no way he's talking to her all evening on the phone. And this is supposed to be his great alibi, that he's talking to Jennifer in particular, but these other girls on the phone that evening. According to the girls themselves, and this is a much later statement, not from 1993, Back, but it backs up what she said in 1993, was that she didn't talk to Damien uh, between roughly 4.35, whenever. She talked to him earlier in the afternoon and after 9 o'clock that night. So his, his presence as far as conversations with her is non-existent between those two times. He's somewhere, but he's not talking on the phone to her. At some point later on, I called again and got Damien on the phone. I believe I stayed on the phone with him for about half an hour. 
My impression is that this call began at 9.30 p.m. and ended around 10 p.m. She said she continued to talk to Deckles regularly until he was arrested, including the day the bodies were discovered. Quote, I do not remember anything unusual being discussed during that phone call. Jennifer continued, I have reviewed my interview with the police of September 1993. I know I did not tell the police at the time that Damien and I had been an item, meaning that Damien and I had a teenager's, she wasn't a teenager, but a teenager's boy-girl relationship. I had been interested in him at the time. I was nervous when I spoke with the police. I did not want my mother to know. I understand that I told the officers that I called Damien back at around 9.20 or 9.30 p.m. on the night of May 5, 1993. I was not supposed to be on the phone after 9.30 p.m., so I explained that I called him no later than 9.30. But my belief is that the phone call lasted past 9.30. I was supposed to have been in bed by 10 p.m. I was concerned that if my mother learned that I had been on the phone past 9.30 p.m., she would have thought I had not been obeying her or conducting myself as she would have expected. And I'm going to suggest that there's also a strong possibility that she simply didn't get Damien on the phone until later, that it wasn't 9.20 or, you know, she keeps changing the time and pushing the time back she's talking to him. Perhaps the time she initiated the phone, the actual phone conversation was later than suggested, which would line up with Heather Quiet's story that uh, that uh, they didn't get Damien on the phone until 10 o'clock or later that evening. Uh, Jennifer's testimony in a Rule 73 hearing on August 14, 2009, covered much of the same ground. I remember May 5th, 1993. That was a traumatic time for me. I remember that Holly had called me and she got home and we called Damien. We had to get off the phone because Holly's mom needed it. Damien told me to call him later at Jason's. I called over at Jason's about 4.30 or 5 p.m. and Jason answered. I also talked to Jason Damien who said that he and Jason had to go to Jason's uncle which is something she added much later than the original. Uh, later on, around 8.30, I called Damien's house, and this is earlier than she'd stated earlier. Uh, it was busy. She says 8.30 now. She was saying 9 o'clock earlier. It was busy once, and the next time I spoke with his grandmother, he was not there. I called about 9.20 and reached Damien at his house. Jason wasn't there. Damien and I, Damien and I talked until about 10 p.m., there was nothing unusual about the call. He didn't say anything about having been with Jason and Jesse. I talked to Damien the next day, May 6th. I don't remember talking about what had happened to those three boys. My parents were not aware that I was talking to Damien and Jason. I was 12 years old at the time. I didn't tell them anything when Damien and Jason were arrested. I only told my parents when the police asked to talk to us. Jennifer said they spent a lot of time trying to set up 13-year-old Holly with the 16-year-old Baldwin. Uh, but uh, Holly had never shown interest and already had a boyfriend. Meanwhile, Eccles told Dominie that Holly was constantly on the phone with him, upset because of her rocky relationship with Baldwin. And of course, Dominie bought this story. Her mother bought this story, as we'll find out 
probably the next time, the night, my next pet podcast episode. Uh, Jennifer admitted that she had heard that Eccles was a Wiccan. I knew I heard that, but I don't believe he actually told me that. I believe somebody around the skating rink said that. She recalled, I thought Damien was a nice guy, though he was kind of vain. He was a very nice guy. Uh, kind of vain, kind of full of himself a little bit. Other than in Holly's extremely vague statement from 2008, the two Bartlett girls consistently agree that neither of them talked to Baldwin later than around 5.30 p.m., and that's at the very latest, and that Eccles was not on the phone with them from no later than 5.30 until perhaps 9 that evening, but more likely close to 9.30 p.m., and possibly later, such as 10 10.30, probably not 10.30. In July 1993, Eccles reportedly told an investigator for his defense that he had taken a phone call from Jennifer at 7.45 p.m. that evening that lasted from 60 to 90 minutes. Absolutely doesn't agree with what Jennifer said. Not that, that Eccles claims in July 1993 mattered greatly since he told a different story the next month. In August 1993, Eccles claimed Jennifer tried to reach him, but he told his mother not to take her call because he was at home with Domini. That contradicted Eccles' own alibi that he was home all evening talking to girls. Uh, none of the Eccles Hutchison family members said Domini was at the Eccles home that evening and both Domini and Diane Tear, her, her mother said Domini was asleep at her own trailer park in Lakeshore that evening. Um, statements and testimony from Eccles family members also contradicted the phone call girls. And I think that's enough for one day. And I realize that's an off, I, you know, I've heard this complaint at least a few times about this, probably about more about this particular chapter than anything else. And it's phone, this phone call, that phone call, this phone call, that phone call. Uh, you know, I could, we could boil it all down into a paragraph. It wouldn't, it's not hard to do and I could easily have done it and just simply said that Jennifer, uh, Holly didn't talk to, uh, uh, Damien after 3.30 in the afternoon Jennifer didn't talk to him Jennifer talked to him briefly after school, talk, apparently talked to him again perhaps once more uh, before he went to J Jason's went over, she talked to him and Jason over at Jason's around 4 4.35, whatever and that she didn't talk to him again until at least 9.20 that evening and according to most of her statements, she tried to get him at home, but he tried to get him on the phone, but his grandmother said he wasn't there as late as 9 p.m. that evening. None of that offers an alibi to Damien Eccles. And yet, that is the basis of Bob Ruff believing that Jason Ball, I mean, uh, that Don, Damien Eccles has this airtight alibi, therefore could not possibly have killed 
Michael Moore, Christopher Byers, or Stevie Branch on May 5, 1993. And it doesn't matter what all the rest of the evidence is because, you know, he's got this great alibi. Well, Bob Ruff is full of it. Anybody who follows the case and really knows anything about that knows that on the basis of these statements today, what I read yesterday with Heather Clyatt, um, let's just say that the idea that Damien Eccles has, and the Sanders family alibi is also a terrible alibi. It did not work in court. It did not work, period. And Damien stopped using it. So his phone call girl's alibi is basically full of it, and it always has been. The record it directly contradicts his claims, and yet he's a bold-faced liar and is perfectly happy to perpetuate this untruth. And the stupid supporters lap it up because they don't have sense enough to even check it out to see if it's true or not. That's enough for me today. Happy Corona holiday. I'm trying to make light of this. I'm, it's very concerning, and I hope, hope everyone listening that they're well and their family members are well and stay well.